Today, I want to talk about something. Uh, this is one of the most requested things we, we, we've gotten recently. Lots how many? How many times? How many times have you been asked for this topic? I mean, we get a few salted through any given week. How many uh, requests have you had? I've had maybe like eight, ten okay. DMs, pub, public stuff going. You need to talk about this thing. Uh, three. I'm assuming you've gotten a few. Three. Yeah. Yeah. Here, here it is. Then. We're going yeah, to talk so about I can't, the- I can't claim I don't understand what's going on on this one. I mean, some <laughs> people, people have said before, it's like you, you know, it's like, oh, hi, uh, <laughs> that was super inarticulate. Uh, people have said previously, "Are you sure you didn't see that before?" Because you said something, and I thought it was intelligent, and I thought, "Oh, like it is." Fuck, you thought I was intelligent? I dodged a bullet <laughs> there. Um, but I do actually know. I do actually have an opinion on this one, Daniel. I have come prepared. Okay, good. This is good. We're talking about the new, the new policy from eLife, which was announced um, a couple of weeks ago. But look, funny thing was, th- this was telegraphed and, and almost two years ago. So this isn't a surprise. A lot of people seem to have been shocked. A lot of, a lot of senior types. How could you do this to eLife? Um, but um, look, <laughs> what they've done essentially is they've eliminated uh, accept or reject decisions after peer review. And now, as of next year, as of articles that are posted from January 1 next year, they're focusing on the public review of preprints and eliminating this object or this accept or reject decisions. Um, so I'll give a bit of a background for what actually happens now if you were to submit your paper to eLife as of next year. And you can actually do the system now if you request from eLife as well. But this is going to be happening with, um, with, with all papers that are submitted. So essentially, you submit, when you submit your paper, you send them a DOI of where your preprint is hosted. And then the editors select papers for peer review, for which the reviewers, which they organize, write a public peer review. And after this, there's no accept or reject decision. And uh, each paper is going to be published under what's called a reviewed preprint. And they're going to include this uh, eLife assessment, which um, which the, the editor puts together which talks about the significance of the findings and the strength of the evidence, which is sensible, and the public reviews um, as well. And these can be signed or not signed uh, as, as per the current system. And then the authors can choose to respond like the traditional process and, um, and, uh, or they can make the submitted paper the version of record or they can make a revision and then uh, eLife decides whether to re-review the revised preprint and go through the process again. And once the authors decide when the process is complete, this is very interesting because now under the traditional model, it is the editor or it is the journal that decides when this thing is done. Once the once the authors decide when the process is complete, they can request that the paper becomes the version of record paper. And then this includes the typical process of formatting and high-resolution figures. James? What you've just described is the single most interesting aspect of it. Okay. I saw an awful lot of people just, oh, men of a certain age stretching their nipples out to 18 inches, <laughs> tying, tying them in a knot and then, and then barely flopping straight onto a concrete sidewalk. Oh, the pain. How could you? Oh, it's all, it's all very terrible. Um, so a few general comments to get out of the way first. One, shut okay. the fuck up. What have you ever done? Um <laughs> <laughs> but look, I don't think any of us have got any enduring love for the existing 
publication system and the way it's structured right now, Daniel, we see all sorts of holes, and it requires, but more than anything else, it requires bold experiments from the people who run shit to be able to push the barrow forward. What we eventually end up with in 10, 20, 50 years when it comes to what is a publishing What does it mean to produce a scientific document that has intrinsic heuristic meaning to other scientists? That's going to change, and it's going to change in ways that are unpredictable. It's going to change in ways that you don't like. It's going to change in ways that you don't even necessarily understand the implications of, and this is one of those. It's the most significant change to a major journal structure, publication function and structure since uh, registered reports got started. There's been lots of other little ones. There's been lots of been tons of good shit. There's been so many different individual experiments in different places. And in general, I'm in general I'm in favor of things where you just, you know, you just stick stick the plank into the paint pot and mix it up and see what color you get. You have to innovate. You have to move forwards. And I don't think this is a, a particular. It's not. I don't think this is even a particularly big threat to the established order. Is the third point because you're still having things come in, and putting them in front of an editor, and everything the editor says no to, the vast, overwhelming majority of the time doesn't get published. Occasionally, there's appeal, and occasionally that appeal is granted, but it might be ninety nine percent of it going down. And in a lot of journals, I would say somewhere from sort of 50 to 80% of stuff that's reviewed is eventually published. Now, that varies wildly. Someone's immediately firing up their rapidly deprecating twirtles right now to go, no, not so much. <laughs> in philosophy, it's only 4%. Fuck off. Just accept the fact there's a categorical difference between the editor saying no and the editor saying yes. And it's the most important part of the process itself. The power of the editor to make editorial decisions is still, in that sense, largely in place. Now, that's not the most interesting part. The most interesting part is they've handed the powers back to the author. When it comes to when are we going to get off this crazy train? Because especially in the life sciences. And you have to think about the fact that this is essentially a biology journal. There's other things that are biologically flavored, but it's a life science journal. Yes. Right. And one of the things that is endemic within any publication of anything even biologically adjacent is the just one more experiment function. Oh, you just need to check a few more boundary conditions. Of, uh, right? Now, over the years, this, is, this has centered on a, a very unhappy nexus between this makes sense and it is a good control or a good uh, additional experiment that you have suggested through to I am asking you for something really difficult and pointless because I don't like you and I am protecting my own area of publication through to I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about and we can do that. I'm 100% certain of what it will show you and then they do it and it does exactly what they thought they did and then they return it and it's like four months later and going, thank you so much for wasting four of my months, you 
dickless loon. Right? And there's an unhappy nexus there. So this is more collaborative in the basis that it's saying, when do we agree that we've reached our paper's worth of shit? And I think that is overwhelmingly the most interesting part of it because it's now a dialogue with open review where the authors and the reviewers can both agree to some extent that they're going to stop complaining about it. Now, the reviewers get to agree to that to some extent because they don't necessarily have to agree to re-review. And presumably there's a response to them that's written. And the response to them that's written is, oh, go fuck yourself. I'm not doing an experiment 17. That's completely unnecessary. Then I, I sincerely doubt that they would engage in further discourse. Obviously, it wouldn't be said like that, but many of these conversations amount to that, right? So it reminds me of registered reports obliquely. How? Because because we're now talking about facilitating something complicated as an agreed stopping point in a conversation between someone who's representing the journal and someone who's representing the authors. Because that's exactly what happens in a, in a registered report except beforehand. You're both agreeing that this is the right thing to do in the first place. And if you don't both agree... Uh, well, in the registered re report format, obviously, there are some substantial differences. If you don't both agree, then the journal's in charge. You can go fuck yourself, right? <laughs> but in this case, it's more we're not going to get to the point where you wrote down all the stuff that I said you should do, uh, and then the process just stops. Mm. So I feel particularly happy for, for instance, uh, PhD students and postdocs who have to move between places should be fucking cheering for this because the moment you get someone to agree to review it, the moment the editor says, we'll look at it, the battle's won when it comes to putting it in the place where it actually matters in the first instance because okay. after that point, you can't do anything else. And the amount of times I've heard the story, especially in a town like Boston, where there's an awful lot of people in the life sciences, where it was a matter of, oh, and I'm still working on that. People moved on to new jobs. People left academia entirely. Still trying to get the fucking thing published four months later, six months later, a year later. You can't just hope that someone else is going to come in and pick up all the complicated bullshit you don't have the reagents for anymore and actually finish the damn thing off. So- Having someone agree that it's sufficiently interesting to look at in context, right? That it meets the sort of collective bar of interest. That is the criteria. That is that is that is now the criteria. Is this interesting enough to review? Does it change the fact that editors can be tired, capricious, haven't got their lunch, haven't got their binky, lost their rubber ducky? No, of course it doesn't. Any situation where you imbue someone with that amount of control over the process is still going to have, but that's why we have fucking preprints and literally everything that they're reviewing. Some, some people didn't seem to know this. Literally everything that's reviewed in eLife now is already Has a preprint. It's been policy for like a year. Yeah. And we know that, and neither of us are ever going to publish in the fucking journal. I mean, yes, we've had, we've had, we've had Professor Eisen on twice, haven't we? 
We have double episode. Yeah. Okay, so maybe we have a little bit more context than other people. But if you're a biologist going, oh, this take away the access of no, that's already sorted, you dolt, <laughs> you fucking pond dweller. Keep up. Pay a little bit of interest to the industry that you're in. Jesus fucking wept. Sometimes these 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 just bedwetters, man. <laughs> It's always the same. They're also acting like something's being taken away from them. Yeah. Whining yeah, we'll about this. It's not yours. If you don't like it, start your own fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or submit to any of the other 12,000 that are in your research yeah. area. Yeah. You know, go submit to science and nature. I don't give a shit. But it's, this is look. So I'm, I've realised I've talked for a very long time at this point. So you just say, well, James, go away and structure an opinion on something, and I deliver it all at once and completely ruin <laughs> the the sort of collaborative nature of this podcast. But look, do you have any observations on everything that I've just said in an enormous block of bullshit, Daniel? I agree that the biggest transformation is putting power back in the authors. So many times, at least in my position, I have received comments from reviewers and they're very borderline they're not completely wrong if they're completely wrong i'll fight back and say you are wrong and i disagree because of xyz but sometimes there are those comments where you look at it and you're like oh it's such a gray area you're not completely wrong you're not completely right i just can't be bothered i'm gonna mm-hmm. do the thing that you suggested uh this happened recently and it was more on the side of i think you're wrong but for various reasons, I wanted this paper published more because who the co-authors of the paper were. Mm-hmm. And I literally said in the paper, as the reviewer suggested, I did these things, basically signaling to readers going, look, this isn't my idea. This is the reviewer's <laughs> idea. I said that. I said that. as the re- Because sometimes, look, I know, you know this, you read, <laughs> you read papers and then it's flowing along Then all of a sudden you're like, hang on a minute, that is a weird analytical approach and you know that thing was what the reviewer suggested, yeah. but you don't know. The last but then paragraph this, I'm like, in I'm the method section, you say, rather than using a time frequency analysis, I've stuck yeah. it up my ass sideways. Mm, exactly. Mm, totally my and, idea. And, and in this situation, I literally just said, as the reviewer suggested, we tried this thing. I didn't really agree with it. It wasn't super wrong enough that I that I fought back against it. But anyway- this by giving power back to the authors, you could actually say this. This is this is ridiculous, and then, but at the same you time, even, you wouldn't even say that. It's so easy to say that. Look, I, I, I think, I think where we disagree is the likelihood of that being able to shed any additional context on issue X, Y, Z. I see where you're coming from. Because ABC could be important. Hmm. But I sincerely doubt that it's important enough to affect parameters one through three of what was actually additionally measured. So I'm comfortable with, with regards to this specifically, not some of the other issues that you've raised. I'm comfortable with the manuscript where it's at. There, yeah. you go, everyone submitting to Elife, go transcribe that and, and fucking just, just, just give it back to them. But it's great because pe- it's people fun. reading it. Could- People reading it can see the reviews and they can see the process. Yeah. Uh, there, I mean, there was a lot of complaints about this going, well, a okay, 
help me work through this. You're more in the biology, you're more in the biomedical sciences than me, strictly speaking. A lot of people were saying a single bad public review can sink my career. Is this, I find that hard to digest. Is this really a thing? Can a bad review, a public bad review, you write a paper and there is a public review saying this was a, this, you know, this, this analysis was bad or whatever. Can this sink careers? I'm very skeptical, but I'm happy to be proven wrong. No, it's shit. This is, look, we've, we've built a collective environment where your paranoia about basically the extension of getting A's and everything through high school and then getting a 4.0 GPA and then going to the fancy lab and then getting first class honors, meh, 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 all of this, one thing after another. You are success junkies. You are burnt out on your protection of other people's opinion of you. This is, this, it's, it's possible. Yeah. But it, it goes from this is possible, but unlikely to this is fucking paranoia. Yeah. This is, this is the, the, the sort of, this this is us reaping the benefits of success at all cost culture. And if you really but I know someone who would happen to. Well, I know fucking thousands of people and I don't know anyone that it's happened to. Mm. Right? So I th- I think that this is a tail risk at absolute best. But at the same time, at the same time, in a format like this, it sounds like to me that you have the defined right of reply. One bad review. Well, do you know more than them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stop being Respond. such a stop. Stop paying such, giving such credence to the opinions of other people who you don't actually, deep down, don't really respect that much anyway. Stop thinking about your reputation. Sharpen up your fucking knuckles. Doesn't matter who it is. They could have won the Nobel Prize, Fields Medal, fucking bronze swimming certificate from the local public baths. It doesn't matter. Sharpen your knuckles, tell them why they're fucking wrong, and give it to them right between the eyes, and go out and represent yourself in a marketplace of ideas, and stop being such a fucking bedwetter. You can tell I'm a little bit fired up today, can't you? <laughs> yeah, no, <but laughs> honestly, is- honestly, Matt, look, this is this is. You, you can you can put this you can put this sort of this 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 sort of counterfactual argument. Oh, if I don't get the paper published in fancy journal, um, it's going to it, it could it could fuck anything up for me, you know. Or if I don't have three manuscripts on whatever, it's going to be a problem. Oh, if I don't have this many line items of whatever, it's going to be it's going to be a problem. Um. But also, like, one bad review can sink my career. I mean, there's an alternative thing here. You didn't write anything shit, did you? <laughs> is is there the possibility that it's not very good and you just feel like because you did a bunch of experiments and then wrote some words in order that you're entitled to something and it's immune from criticism? Look, I, I don't know if I'm being unfair here because, as might be expected, uh, people have said some horrible shit about me for a very long period of time for obvious reasons. Yes? And if I gave a fuck in the first place, maybe I wouldn't have started. So maybe we're just congenitally different. But at the same time, I, I really 
I, I think I think that people people take these not even sort of roadblocks. They're more sort of potholes on a drive. I think they're, they're, they're afraid of hitting a pothole because they think the transmission is going to come out of the car, shoot through the roof and cut them in half. <laughs> so I, that's a very long way of saying I, I agree with you. And yeah. obviously, this, for this, obviously there's very parochial, protected, difficult fields full of real bastards. I've been interested in narcissism recently for no particular good re- reason other than it came up in a conversation. So I've been reading about it and I was, I've, I've, I've thought about it a little bit after that okay. in the middle of the night lying on the couch staring at the ceiling and I thought narcissism is a fucking ripper place to be if you're an academic. Like it's probably be more fair to say the other way around. Yeah? Um, it is, it's, it's, it, it's, a, it's a place where you're allowed to get lots of awards and, and line them up. Um, you, you're allowed to have people take you seriously. It's perfectly possible to have this sort of like demonstrable record of saying that you're amazing. And then mm. at the same time, you have kind of social cover to be psychotically irresponsible when it comes to inflicting your personality on other people. You know, you can go between being incredibly supportive through to crushingly unpleasant in a heartbeat, and a lot of the time you've got you've got cover for it. I mean, I've met a lot of scientists, and I think a lot of them are relics of a system that rewards a certain kind of acquisitive behavior. In many respects, they're often the sort of opposite of entrepreneurs. I know mm-hmm. I'm right. I'm going to eat ramen and, and I'm happy to eat shit for three years and I'm perfectly convinced this is going to work. It's There's a big difference in the mentality. And I think that we breed people through the entirety of the education system and then the higher education system and then the academic system, I think we breed very risk-averse people. Hmm. Which And that is actually not a criticism of the people. It's an evolution of how we hand out the money and what we've chosen to do about the employment and what we've chosen to support through the people that we vote for and the broader economy all rolled up into one with various military, industrial, socioeconomic and political pieces to it. We've just made a system that rewards acquisitive, low-key, wrathful, risk-averse people. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You ever get the sense that I didn't? I, I really didn't know, like, just how much... I knew I didn't really belong in it. I just hoped that there was still enough latitude that they'd occasionally let a freak in, you know? <laughs> like I'd, I'd, I'd get to be the, uh, I get to, maybe, I'd, maybe I'd get to be the color commentator or something on, 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 on something. And I probably kidded myself with that. I mean, it really was plan eight for a very long time. I think I kidded myself to a degree, not entirely. I don't think I was deluded or anything. Yeah. I think it was more the fact that there's so many 
aspects to any big complicated system. So there would have been one weird happy place in it for me somewhere in a very big world. And I couldn't figure out what that was going to be soon enough. Do you see yourself going back in any universe? Or? Well, do you see anyone inviting me back? Depends on the depends on the topic. Mate, it doesn't matter how much you want to burn everything to the ground and occasionally deliver a good kneecapping. It doesn't matter how much of a tyro you are. You can have all sorts of tearaway people. They can be whoever they want. At the end of the day, some poor prick would have to justify my employment in a budget meeting where they'd Google me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's a very resigned yeah that you've done there. And I didn't maybe it would maybe it would make me a little bit better informed in some of the conversations that we've had so far. <laughs> <laughs> but I um I I don't I don't think there's anyone out there that lining up to uh lining up to have that particular experience. But I mean you shouldn't put yourself on a pedestal. It's like what's what I'm offering is so incredibly special. No, it isn't. Oh, but I'm irreplaceable. No, you aren't. Hmm. Yeah, because there's all this equipment. We don't. We don't know what the exact right thing to do is. If we had something that was sort of process driven, rather than something where we didn't know what the fuck we were looking for in the first place, then it'd be very straightforward. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of staff scientists jobs, but yeah. Uh, you know, five years ago, maybe that was a. That was a possibility, but well, well beyond that now. Anyways, look, this is why we fuck are we talking about me? We're talking about e life, Daniel, and it's life and it's ease. I want to talk about one thing, one sort of potential hesitation for me for this is for a lot of different universities or a lot of different PhD programs, uh, you need to submit a certain number of papers. And so, and those number of papers, or some of them, need to be accepted for publication. So my hesitation is, I've got one excellent PhD student, and they have a paper ready to go. And, and eLife is actually a good venue for this particular paper. And but for at least our PhD program, you need a certain amount of accepted papers. So my hesitation was, if this is, if this was sent out after you know January next year, and would this actually be considered? to be an accepted paper. And when it comes to how this is actually, you know, shown on PubMed, this would be considered an accepted paper. But my worry is that the, you know, when you're looking at, when the committee's looking at it or when this is being looked at, that this wouldn't be considered an accepted paper. So that was one, the only hesitation that I had with this with this particular model. Okay, Everything so listen, the journals, the journals flexing, and I understand what you're saying, but the journals flexing and they have the right yeah. to do whatever the fuck they want with their stuff. Right, and it's now your job to go to that committee, or to the people in your department, or your dean of research, or fucking whoever else, and say the bar for editorial acceptance in a journal like this is a lot higher than the eventual acceptance rate of another journal. This needs to be treated as equivalent. Yeah, change the policy that we've got. It's all so many. I mean, there's so many submitted papers, so many accepted papers. I mean, it's it's all it's all very annoying to begin with. Yes, mm. but if mm. we accept the fact that we must have an annoying policy, put in an addendum that says reviewed at eLife is now the equivalent of a published paper elsewhere. Go and change your fucking yeah. policy. 
they did that. Now you have to do this. If you had a business, this is this is one thing that is continually beaten into you in the commercial world. If circumstances change, you can't fucking cry about it. Yeah? And this changes all the time. Suddenly there's a new competitor in your field. Suddenly the regulation change. Suddenly the FDA doesn't like this and they do like that. Yeah? Suddenly someone who's your customer decides not to pay you anymore. Suddenly someone you're trying to develop with someone just stops answering their fucking email. You don't know if they've been on holiday, been run over by a bus, or they hate you. All you control is what you get to do about it. So is it possible mm. that it could marginalize some people? Yes. Can they fucking unmarginalize themselves by taking this concern to the people who are senior to them, who can take the concerns to the people who are senior to them? He loves a very, very respected journal. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's, it wasn't particularly like a radical experiment in publishing whatever when it started. I mean, people would sort of, I remember the criticism at the time being like, oh, there's a bit of window dressing here, but it's essentially more of the same. Uh-huh. Yeah. So now they're finally, you know, and people continually cry about, well, let's do something radical. What do we do? People who start conversations with me, but with we should, meaning the entire global scientific enterprise should immediately adopt the fucking idea that I just came up <laughs> on my six pint of cheap check lager. They've done that. You go do your bit. Or if yeah. you're not empowered to do your bit, write to someone who can pick the cudgel up and go and eventually do it. It's probably, look, here's the thing. It's probably bad for your PI. You've got a really good thing. You want to put it in eLife. It's a good venue. Okay. This is coming. You've got two months. Talk to the person who, because say, say they're trying to graduate as many students as possible because it makes them look good. In Australia, it gets the university paid when you graduate a PhD student. If you're in this situation where this is going to be a problem, and it's also going to be a problem for the person who is supervising you, fucking tell them, right? Even if you've got a bad relationship. Even if they're toxic and difficult to talk to, they still want to graduate you. Yeah, Jesus, maybe they want. Maybe you're the problem. They want to get rid of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that's reasonably unlikely given the circumstances and the power dynamics involved. But go agitate, not in the way that I do it, not even in the fucking way that Dan here does it. But go and figure out a way to solve this particular problem. Oh, it's going to be. It's going to be. I can't meet the form. Was well, it easier to write another paper or change the form? Yeah? It's also transparent, like obviously the right thing to do. It's the reasonable equivalent of the same thing. Yeah. Yeah? So, look, I, I accept the fact that that could be a problem, but again, I think you're, I think you're pretty margin, Casey, on this. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's just it, that's the first thing that came to mind, um, but- I have an easy alternative, and that's trying to submit to a different journal. Of course, if that was the only option. No, seriously, it is. Solve well, your own problem by literally submitting it to a different what, journal that'll give you what, what you what's, want. What's easier, me, me fighting the faculty or me submitting to a different journal? Well, I think you, this you is don't even as necessarily as need to fight the faculty. I mean, the, the person who's staying behind after you leave is also going to be a problem for them. Yeah. Right? So, presumably, there's people who supervise students listening to this show. Well, there you go. Be proactive. Go and talk. I, go and talk to the. Go and talk to the dean of research about what's changed and the fact that you're so in tune with the most recent advances in how scientific publication works that you have presupposed to the problem at work here, and one minor change to your internal policies could involve a future conflagration. You are out there thinking of their job, managing risk. No need to thank me. It's just part of the service provided here at X Y Z Labs. 
Do you see this happening with other publishers? One of the critiques was, no. this, is, this is a bad precedent. Others are going to do this. I'm like, this will be great if other, if other publishers or journals do this. No, I don't. I think, yeah, I, think it's also a, I think it's a combination of things. I think you've got uh, – they made a decision. Look, when they got, when they got Mike Eisen to do this job, mm. yes, I think they had a vision in mind of – I think when, when that was handed out, when that was put into place, I think they had a vision in mind of exactly what they wanted to see happen. Yeah, and that something like this was a line item or a paragraph in some application that they read and then said yes to. Yeah. Also, bear in mind these things: they have stakeholders, they have boards, they have many powerful. It was the board who approved this. It people. wasn't just Eisen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is how they see their journal working. Now, this is also this is why I don't use like oh, it's going to start happening elsewhere. Okay. Try and find the equivalent body of people empowered to make that decision and an editor-in-chief to suggest it from another journal. Dan, how many people have adopted the everything must be a preprint and then we'll look at it policy? Very few. This has been around for a couple of years, at least it has been around for a year or two at eLife. And I, but from memory, there was some discussion about it before it actually happened. Hmm. So more than a year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, have, have there been a, a rash of other journals uh, uh, taking up that less radical policy than this one? Not, 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 even, not even close. Maybe a few out there, but it hasn't been a- Okay, well, I, I, rest, I rest my case, Your Honor. Yeah. This is just it's the, the other thing. I mean, it's just there's the, the vast majority of anything is still intact unless you think it represents a kind of slide towards anarchy, which it very clearly doesn't. I don't think it's a harbinger of other stuff. I think it's a progressive journal doing an interesting experiment that is notable in the fact that it makes when you choose to stop doing the work a collaborative decision. And in that sense, it's interesting. And I, here's, here's my prediction, and you can revisit this if I'm horribly wrong in about six months, is we're going to start seeing people popping up, right, in a blog somewhere or saying on the fucking smoking remains of Twitter after Uncle <laughs> Elon ruins it, who pop up and go, I quite like that as an experience. I quite like that. That, um, that was good. I've, I've, it had a different vibe. Open review plus the sort of collaborative optional stopping and the, um, you know, with the opinion of that in public view, I, um, I like that. The, uh, the, the process made sense to me. You know I think, who I, think, I actually I think see we'll doing see this? That. What's that? You know who I actually see doing this, potentially doing this is, is journals that are run on behalf of research funders, yeah. So the board for eLife includes so Welcome the and Gates Trust, and yeah. Welcome, mm. Gates, and Max Planck. Ah, yeah. I could see this happening for the other, the, the Gate, Gates Open journal, and potentially the ERC, ERC Open, whatever it's called, mm. that that one, because they're basically saying we're funding these researchers because we think they have a good idea. We're going to trust the researchers and we're going to hmm. trust that they say this is when we think this paper is ready, but also recognizing that post-publication peer review is important. And I think one of the 
things I really like about this is currently within, within our current system, essentially the paper stops when the paper is accepted. Yeah. We know yeah. how difficult it is to get stuff retracted or corrected, but authors kind of just, just go, yep, that's it. Pa- paper's done on to the next thing. Yeah. But with this, with post publication peer review, it's always kind of under review and always people have the opportunity to, to comment on these papers after, uh, after a longer period of time, which I think the funders will be more interested in. And the funders are more interested in actually thinking what the authors actually, actually want to do and putting the power back to the authors. So my prediction is that this will happen, but it will happen with these funder journals like the Gates Open or like the ERC one, probably the Gates Open considering they also half fund or that they contribute to eLife. What an interesting observation. So, in other words, the publisher is setting a, a kind of an intellectual environment that the, this, the, the journal here exists in, and that has a certain attitude towards their chosen authors because they feel like the chosen authors are providing them with the best possible answer to the questions that they propose to answer with their money. Hmm. Well, I, I guess we'll see. That's a potentially very astute observation, Dan. I'm not even going to make fun of you for that one. because <laughs> um, no, I was thinking hard, like, who's going to do this? And it's going to be the it's going to be the, the funders probably, yeah, because I the funders are the ones I, who have I been pushing think, eLife. I don't think it's going to be large commercial. I don't think large com- commercial journals. Will, I mean, they, I think they just start complaining right from the off. Well, we don't have the infrastructure to supply the um, the the the. Um, the peer review reports, like you can't attach them as a separate PDF in the appendix or something. Um, well, if this is our journal management system, won't let us. Oh, we see no reason to do that because we already provide a high quality service. Uh, um, so I don't really see that happening. Um, society journals, I think, Ooh. A lot of the time can be some of the most conservative when it comes to maintaining traditional structures over time. Yeah. Um, from memory, some of the big holdouts when it came to, like, are you even allowed to preprint something in the first place? I think a lot of the genuine holdouts for that were, um, were, were society, uh, yeah. society-run yeah. journals. So I can't see them innovating until literally everyone over a certain age is dead. Or retired, which is the same or, thing. Or if the society itself is forward thinking. <laughs> well, how many scientific societies are particularly forward thinking? Very few. Right. Some are, very, very few. I like this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, this is you can you can say what you like about uh, private philanthropic funding bodies, and I have on occasion, um, but at the end of the day, they are in the return on investment game. Yeah. And if they're putting money into a thing and they want to see progress or solutions on that thing, then very likely they are quite amenable to anything that makes it better. There is a drag factor of the fact that they employ people who are from this other world, but they have a different mission that's coming down from the top, which is Retrieve the maximum amount of utility possible from the resources that we're putting into the funnel. I was at a very interesting panel 
talk last week, which was kind of on that topic of reducing research waste. And this was organized by two research funders and they also invited the, the big national funder. And it's interesting from the, re- from the funder perspective because they're saying we are spending money on research and we want to reduce as much waste as possible. And, and yeah, this, this comes with you know open data, o- open scripts. But it's interesting to see that funders... Of, of course, like of course, they're worried about this stuff. They want their money to be spent in the best way possible. But, but for them, at least the local ones, to actually come out and say, "We care about how far our money goes," and it's not just about the, the, the impact of the of, of, of the papers, but actually reducing the the potential waste. I thought that was interesting. They're, they're getting interested in this stuff. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not surprised. And I think this has shown up primarily in the different considerations about different uh, like changing elements of grant schemes fast grants small grants reactive grants follow on grants you know as opposed to we are the NIH the lumbering fucking mastodon that just there you go there <laughs> mastodon's back again but I have, the, I, I have the, the image of the Momakil from Lord of the Rings in my head and these big things charging forward reasonably slowly. Um, and it's just so – anything like that. It's so – there's so much, so much bureaucratic inertia. Mm. There's, it's it's hard to put into words just how difficult it is to get everyone aligned on something like that, and this is one of the reasons that it's so. I've said this I've said this before, but so many people who are in uh, research, scientific, or academic adjacent startups and entrepreneurs, I'm always rooting for them, and I'm never optimistic because there is so much we have codified and locked down and collectively agreed on so much that could be changed that simply will not be because of the astonishing amount of credence and money and time and people that we've poured into doing it in a different, pre-existing, presumably less optimal kind of way. It is such a hard space to innovate in. You cannot build your own nature. You can't. That's what? You're not allowed. They won't let you. It's not that you couldn't build something of equivalent quality. You couldn't build something of equivalent perceived quality. That's why I think it's so important that a prestigious journal is doing this stuff. Anyone, like you said, can come up with this idea, but it's not going to get off the ground. Having the fact that eLife's doing this is a great signal, I think, and exactly th- the same I think, thing. I think you absolutely do. Look, there's millions of small, reasonably independent journals. I think they could absolutely do it. Yeah. Um. Maybe. Maybe they. Maybe they really care about it. More power to them. Um. You know. Will it. Will it change the face of the publishing landscape? A little. Not like this will. And obviously, no. they should represent their own interests if they feel like it's a good idea, and they all sit around in a mm. circle and then fucking vote, or however the hell they handle it. Then, yeah, try it. I mean, do you, do you remember when the psych journals were using P-Rep? What? P-Rep, Daniel. That, that rings a bell. What is that again? 
Seriously, you don't remember this? I do. I, I, I remember the... Um, well, it was basically a... <laughs> it's, it's a transform of p-values. Yeah? It's yeah. about 2000, it's about 2005 or, or something like that. And they changed for some reason, um, how they thought they were going to, um, how that, how they were going to re- uh, report their statistics. Oh, yeah. In yeah, general. Yeah. So P rep is the probability of replication. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. How's that going? It was it was a fucking silly idea to begin with, and I'm not sure if anyone does <laughs> like it. Journal anymore. banned p values. <laughs> yeah, because they banned p values by turning it into a transform of p values that essentially amounted yeah. to basically the same you can do thing. Which, but no p-values. which they then called, which they then called something that it had no sort of linguistic individual relationship to. Um, the fuss about this is long dead now. I mean, this is some. Uh, I mean, we, our listeners stay the same age as we continue to age rapidly um, start hurtling towards irritable bowel syndrome or in my case irritable face syndrome um, so you may not remember this but look up who's that guy um, it's two I think it's 2005 it's hard to Google because it says prep and obviously prep is <laughs> school <laughs> there's no subs there's no subscript in in Google. So you might trust struggle to find it, but if you put in prep psychological science, you'll you'll find out about this. So like journals have changed stuff before that they take they change something about how publications were reported. Something something that's a like a crux for for better or for worse, cough for worse, uncough. Um, they they changed it to be a uh, a completely different. Allegedly more intuitive, uh, generally meaningless, fucking transform of exactly the same thing. It's just so like it's not like journals can't make stupid decisions. It's not like they mm. can't do something goofy and then go, "Oh, hang on a minute, um, <laughs> wait, maybe we'll change it back." It, so, and people people should be reminded of the fact that this stuff isn't set in stone. It isn't ossified. It isn't. Utterly above reproach. All this shit is up for grabs, and we forget that simply because it's so astonishingly difficult to change because of various forms of corporate and institutional inertia. And this is why you should never start a conversation with me that starts with uh, "we should." Yeah, oh, you don't need to don't need to hear me complain about that again. Just if you think, ah. Oh, it, I, I don't like the way it is. It should be a different way. Congratulations, you're a high school communist. <laughs> do, do, you, do you reckon this is going to increase submissions? Do you like comparing? Yeah, um, what do you reckon? If you made me guess, and I guess you are, because you're doing that face, I don't think it'll make. A, I don't think it'll make a fucking difference. I don't, think they're gonna go, I don't think they're going to go up much. I don't think they're going to go down much. That's my suspicion. Okay. I'm okay. fully willing to accept uh, my wrongness on this one. So you write to me in three months and go, hey, James, the submissions went up by 65%. Look, who's a dumbass? <laughs> I will have to cop to being a dumbass. 
because uh, I'm not certain about that at all. But, Daniel, I do not think it'll make a difference. I don't think it changes the alleged prestige of of the thing. Lots of people think it will. Lots of people yeah, think it plus lots two. Of people, plus two, James. Lots of, lots of people. You mean, you just like 20, 20 people with poorly kempt beards on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, it's not going to get written. Every every silly spreadsheet that it's in saying that it's great. Yeah, every calculated citation or impact metric. It's not going to change what's in the thing. It's not going to change the scientists who run it. It's not going to change their focus. It's not going to change their ability to provide uh, completely open access stuff that everyone can access and therefore cite. It's not going to change any of that. It's not. Yeah? So I can't see – I I think you would have to be a, a, like a real Wally, you know, a real honest-to-God. When I was talking before about people who are boring and risk-averse, I think you need to be the worst kind of person within that sort of, oh, no, they've changed it completely. They're, they're taking away my ability to prove I'm right anonymously in front of two twats. Um, if you're the sort of person who's not going to submit to it, then I think that's also it's a very low percentage of people. So I don't I yeah. don't think it's gonna I don't think it's gonna crater their submissions, but at the same time I don't think it's gonna sub, uh, to increase them either. I think a lot of people are gonna submit to the journal and be fucking surprised from the first year. <laughs> you know, they can fill the fill the forms out and then look at it and go, hang on a minute. This wasn't what was written on the tin at all. Actually, it was, Stephen. It was written on the tin. You <laughs> just didn't read the fuck it. I want, to, I want to finish up with one thought. What's interesting is that the cost normally to, if you're going to submit a paper to eLife right now, uh, 3000 That's the cost. That is the APC. Under the, that's money. Under this new system. That's sort of on the, that's on the higher end of APCs. We're not talking 5000 oh, I know. This is the Faustian bargain that we make for doing this OA bullshit in general. But I mean, at least it's eLife and it's not some other toilet journal. But go on. Keep on. <laughs> But after this, it's going to go down to two thousand. So the difference from going from this facilitating post-publication peer review to doing the traditional, there's a thousand difference. I'm not sure whether that's the actual economics of the thing. Perhaps the board of Elife has actually said we really believe in this, and I don't know. But look, I, I thought it was interesting not, that I do not know. Like I'm pretty sure there's already a strong. Western, Northern Hemisphere, English-speaking bias to a journal like this. I'm sure, I mean, consider it's a reasonably progressive journal. I'm sure they're aware of it. Yeah? Yes, yeah. um, We're not, there's not some order of magnitude change. You're going from 3K to 2K. It's a lot of money if it's you and you're buying ramen and eggs and cat food at the store. Yes, but if it's coming out of a larger budget and it's something that's set aside, um, considering how few times any individual place is hit by this. No one's so successful. They're going, oh, no, drowning in e-lab fees, e-life, whatever. Fuck you. You know? It's not taking anyone's individual, like a line item on some budget somewhere from 45 grand to 30 grand. You know what I mean? Hmm. So yeah. I don't know why they did that. Can you tell me? Well, that they just recognize that because they're, because they're putting in less work. Um, actually, you know, I don't know. I don't know because I I don't see it being very is much it, different. Is like, it just, less work? I mean, it's not paying the reviewers, are they? They're still no. They're still, they're still not paying the, No, they're still not paying the reviewers. Okay, so um, you, what do you mean? What do you, you you still got? You still got the maintenance of the same digital infrastructure. You still got to pay editors mm-hmm. and staff. 
You're still mm. not paying the reviewers because fuck them. Why? But they can work for free. Who cares? Right? <laughs> um, you're still doing the the copy editing. And, you still and be, you're yeah, still look. paying. You're still paying for, for to be copy edited. I love I love the fact that someone with forty years experience or review would not get paid, and then some nineteen year old with their thumb up their ass puts in the margins for two hundred dollars. Um, work is funny. Um, you're still paying for hosting. You're still paying for everything else that comes like hanging off the side of maintaining a digital system like this. You know, you're still paying for IT support. Uh, you're still paying for data- database maintenance. You're still paying for, um, you know, you just you just uh, keeping keeping the lights on. I do not fully understand why it has hmm. gone down by thirty three percent. I'll have to take a closer look, but that that is, yeah, it's gone down. It's it's not it's. I guess maybe they're trying to encourage submissions, thinking that people might be a bit hesitant. But that, that's how it is. It's too. Th- it's. I would think yeah. that the I would think that the Median Lab Publishing here considers that like nice, but it doesn't really enter into the financial decision making. Two versus three. Maybe. Not a huge- yeah. So this is. I mean, if it's three thousand dollars to fifty. <laughs> but also at the same time, I don't know what waiver program that maybe they've got one like Frontiers or the category the, the the countries are in categories based on sort of uh like GDP and funding and shit like that. As far know? as I know, it's just according to need. Right. So you can demonstrate a need. If, it's, if it's according yeah, right. If it's according to need, then I mean hopefully, hopefully, if someone's coming up with absolutely fucking ripper research from I don't know, American Samoa or Namibia or Belize or Christ knows where, and they're sending it and they're saying, we can't pay the APC. They go, cool, cancel. E-Life does have more diverse ge- geographic diversity in authors good. compared to other equivalent prestigious journals. So they, good. they seem to be good good with that. And I appreciate that. Okay, we're going to wrap up. Thank, thanks for thanks for listening. Um a few predictions that we've made, we can revisit them soon. There's there's a funny Twitter bot that you may have seen, James, where somebody says some wild thing and then you can write, um, Twitter bot, remind me in three months. They might say, in three months, I predict that um, Eli's going to get no submissions. And then the, and then in three months' time, the tweet can tweet back to you going, remember the, remember the <laughs> prediction this guy made? And then you can go, hey, mate, mate, how's your prediction going? <laughs> <laughs> you can, how do you how do you get that particularly hectoring Australian tone of voice to come through on the written <laughs> word, mate? Yeah, I think you have to use oh, two only. A's. I think that's a mate with yeah. two A's. Yeah, that's exactly it. Oh. <laughs> thanks, thanks all for listening. We're back mm. again. More hurts. Bye bye. <laughs>